0: Good evening to you from the massively opulent studios here of one oh two five the game on Murfreesboro Pike in Nashville, Pete Weber, along with Hal Gill. Hal, it's that time again. Well, at least it will be in about forty eight hours or so to get it going one more time.
1: And It's about time. I, I think you know, I I don't I, I speak for myself, but I think the players would probably back it up. Like they want to get they want to get going. Enough of the preseason, enough of the Miserable summer that they had and and the regrets, and they want to build a a new and exciting season. So it's here.
0: A miserably long summer, or certainly longer than they wish to have. Yeah. So on the show tonight, we're going to be talking with Tom Reed of the Minnesota Wild. They will be the first opponents for the Predators. The old coach, Terry Crisp, is going to join in with us a little bit later on. We'll hear from Lisa Dillman later this hour from the Athletic LA. Are you going to say from the LA Times or from NHL.com? Yeah, she has been. (laughs) Uh, all of those things, and uh, grew up in Minnesota where her father was the, uh, the PR man extraordinaire for the Minnesota North Stars. She knows of, some things,
1: doesn't yes, she? Yes, she
0: does. Yes, she, And her <laughs> her dad, uh, the press box in several places, and the press award is named after her father that they give to the best PR It's stars. in the blood. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So with all of this that has gone on, six preseason games, and while you're going through it, it seems to take a long time. That seemed like it just went by, and a big whir.
1: Yeah, you know what? In talking to a couple of the players, I I, I said I feel like camp didn't even happen, but they they're still there. It still happened. Yeah. They were they were very uh, in tune with what was going on. Uh, I I feel like Peter Laviolette is is a, you know he spells it out for them. They know what to expect. This is what we're doing. This is the game plan. They're all on the same page. And uh, I think it it went pretty smoothly. You know, we saw some good looks from guys. Yeah. I, I think that was a big thing. There's it's the existing team is very much intact, and they didn't make too many changes. The one no. big ones we know about, but uh, the other guys that were they were taking looks at. They I thought they were impressive, and we t- we were laughing about it. Uh, Milwaukee's going to be a heck of a team. Oh, are they ever? And That's- just because there's not a lot of room. There's right. not a lot of
0: room with the Preds right now. What they talk about, the numbers game. I mean, when a guy like Mika Salamaki,
1: because yeah. of that numbers game,
0: has to go down to Milwaukee to start the year. And I'm always going to say start the year because you never know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and, and I know that's a tough one because I know he's loved in the locker room, but he's also loved by the coaches. They they love what he brings to, to the ice, a heavy body on four forecheck. So I, I don't count him down for too long. I think he's a guy that... Uh, you know he's he's gonna have an impact with this team at some point.
0: So Daniel Carr makes the season opening roster. Yeah, and uh, here's a guy who was an MVP a year ago in the American League. Boy, in the final game of the preseason at Carolina, he had a couple of great looks, just could not get the finish.
1: Yeah, it's hard, and I'm glad he's around because I think he he deserves a chance to prove himself. Being an AHL uh, MVP, being a stud that he was. In the AHL and then having success in the NHL level, he knows how to score goals and I, and that's that's what the Preds are looking for. So it didn't go in in preseason. I think like he liked. I th- I think he wanted to make a splash. Of course yeah. he does. Uh, but uh, you know it, this gives him a chance to go out and prove himself in the regular season and and I, and that's what the Preds need is someone that can put the puck in the net and and uh, he could be that guy.
0: If we thought on defense that Dante Fabro. Favreau- was just a a spring surprise and you never know what's going to happen. I think he's thrown that aside from from the start of camp.
1: Yeah, no, you know what really impressed me is uh the last one of the last preseason games. He he made a couple of beautiful passes to Arvidson to split the D. Yes. And and to be able to at at such a young age to be able to see that fire up the ice and have that vision, that confidence not to just look at the checker, uh, you know that's the way I played is I get away from the first four checker and go to my outs yeah. uh, and and he looks beyond that he looks two two zones ahead and he's trying to see what's going on and uh, I, I was impressed by that that's a sign that he's seeing the ice well and and he's making plays he's not just worried about the little things and and he's very good at those little things the details uh the footwork uh you know he was very impressive last year and he 's going to go through a hard time at some point this yes. year he's going to go through it just it just happens with every player and then, as a young kid, you have to learn how to deal with that so uh it's going to happen he's going to have to deal with that, but I see nothing but a bright future for him at what stage of your career did you feel that happened to you early oh yeah i was I was always questioning myself i yeah. you know i I think the skill that that Dante has is going to carry him through that i don't think I had as much skill and and so I had to rely on just grunting it out every time. And and if I fell into a rut, then uh, – it, and it's hard. You know, I talk about a rut uh, on the ice, but it's also living. Yes. I mean, this is a young kid that's going to come to a great city. Straight from college. Straight from college. He's got the world right in his hand, and he's got to do the right things. And that's not always easy to do. Everyone says, hey, you're you're living the best life ever. Right. Well, it, it can be lonely at times. It can be – you can be way over your head at times. You have to find that happy medium and that's what he's gonna go through and, and it's a fun ride. I won't I won't say it isn't, but uh it's definitely a lot of learning and he's he's gonna go through that. But I I really think he's got a great core around him. Uh if he's playing with Matias Eckholm, that's a kid that he he's gone through a lot and, and has he ever and he paid his dues in Milwaukee and learned the game and now what a great player he is. He can help him on the ice but there's a good group of of guys in the locker room that are going to help Dante along as well.
0: In this preseason, largely, I would say, because of the concentrated practice time for the power play unit, yeah, nobody got that much game time, and and that is probably it brings up the next question: How much do you need to be ready?
1: I I I always said I needed at least three games to get where I felt comfortable, and then I needed a couple games to get where I was effective yeah. <laughs> if okay. that makes any sense. Okay. So, uh but but these guys they're such good skaters and they work so hard in the off season. Uh skating is not an issue. It's just getting into to game speed. You don't want to go through the summer banging bodies in the corner. You want to keep yourself healthy. And so that takes a little bit of an adjustment and I I think these guys with the core that they have uh, they're not inserting a new system. They're not doing anything crazy, just some minor tweaks here and there. They work a lot on the power play and get that clicking, and then they're just back to business as usual. And I, I, I think they're, you know, if Laviolette was going to work them too hard and do too much, it, it would have been a lot for this team. I think they, they need to focus on the prize, and, and they know how to to get there. They just got to do it. And so in goal, don't see too many
0: problems there. Yeah, I mean, you UC and Pekka both had some outstanding preseason action.
1: Well, it's just how do you, how do you how do you split them up? You know, you want to rest, you want to get both of those guys into game shape. You want to get them going, and and I like that you let, let them play full games. You know, uh, it wasn't a two periods or a half a game. Let them play a full game. Let them get in there. Uh, it would be interesting to see how this plays out. I feel like the schedule at home early, mm-hmm. you can space out some games. It's not a overly uh, busy schedule. Uh, they can they can go out there and and we'll see how they divvy up those games. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Pekka plays less than fifty games, uh, assuming all health and knock on yes. wood. Uh, there's no reason why it's not it's not a, a thing that they worry about having their backup goalie in. <laughs> no, they, they're excited to have juice in there. Either one of those guys they can put in there and have some success. So Pekka can can really stay rested, and that's that's a huge plus, I think, because a lot of goalies are just beat down and they lose a little edge, and that's all it takes for a goalie. And you let in the easy goal, and it, it ruins the season. And and I've seen that. I've been on teams where it happens, and I don't see that. What a good what a good problem to have is which one are you going to put out there for yeah, Laviolette?
0: You have a true choice, open minded choice. Yeah. on that, and this team has just twelve back to backs this year.
1: I know that was it's nice, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you know, I think there was even less uh, last year, and it became it became like a, there wasn't a lot of time off in between. No, um, there was a lot
0: of day by day.
1: Yeah. Game on, game off, game on. Yeah, and and I I feel like that was a struggle at times for a lot of the guys. Cuz sometimes, you know, you, you'd rather just you'd rather just play and then get a couple days off, you know? That mental break I I think is, is nice sometimes. So, I don't, I don't mind the back-to-backs because you get you can make it up on the day off, day off. Yeah. <laughs> is is nice too. So, uh whatever the schedule is, I think this team is primed and ready. And uh, I, I don't see any problems. Uh, just looking through the schedule, I think it's it's something that they're going to be happy with. I would think
0: so. Think- Excuse me, I didn't mean to, to lean on my button there. I would think so, uh, <laughs> to be sure about all of that. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question because it's the question that gets asked of all of us as we go around the league in the early days. What do you think about the new look power play?
1: I love it. Um, well, first of all, yeah, I, I mean, Dan Lambert has come in and and, uh, you know, that's kind of been his thing. I mean, he's brought in to work on the power play, and, and he's certainly done that. And talking to him, he says it. You know, there's a lot of skill out there, just putting them in the right places. And I, I really like what they've done. You put, you know, they're doing four forwards and one D, so Yossi's on the point. You have Forsberg in a one-timer position, Yossi in a one-time position. And then you have Johansson, who's the playmaker on the right, uh, right-hand shot and his off wing and and uh and you know, he can make that low play to Duchesne and that little bumper which we saw in the preseason to Arvidsson, is quick. And and that play Duchesne to the left of the net, down by the goal line, is deadly right there. And I, I think that opens up everything for him. And then you put out the second power play. It's not really a drop-off. There's <laughs> there's a lot of good players. We saw that at, in Tampa that and, one night. And exactly. And saw so the quick scene passes, the quick plays, I think there's it's very much more deliberate. Uh, they have a, a plan, and they're moving it quick. And uh, I think Lambert's done a great job so far. It's, you know, proof is in the pudding, though, it can... We, now you're hungry. I talk about pudding. Yes, you, you but, made me quite hungry. <laughs> but but we're we're gonna find out what's going on. I mean, that's what the fun part about the regular season is: is it actually happens and we get to see and and what it's all all that work has been all about. You realize Craig Ball is listening? And how <laughs> hungry you just made him? <laughs> he wants some for pudding. banana
0: pudding. Ooh, he bro. All right, we will take our first commercial timeout here. Come back with more. We'll take a look at the uh, rules changes in the NHL for this upcoming season. And uh, then later on, more info as we head into this 2019-2020 NHL schedule. It's our Predators preview show, and it's coming your way from the 1025 The Game Studios. Segment number two, Howard number one, Pete Weber and Hal Gill that are known as Skillsy. Skillsy seventy five, and you were mentioning that word skills quite a bit in talking about Dante Fabro. So perhaps is
1: Skillsy fifty seven coming on the Twitter? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he ever want to be related to <laughs> to what I do as far as skills. Uh, yeah, but he is. You know what? He's subtle skill. He's sneaky. Yeah. He's kind of like Ryan Ellis in that respect. Yep. Right. You. you, you you don't notice those little skills and and it's as a defenseman I notice them cuz I'm they make a lot of things look easy that aren't that aren't easy to do. What you talk about a lot in terms of Ryan Ellis is hip movement. Yeah. You
0: see the same thing with Fabro?
1: Well, you know, if you talk about PK Subban, everyone knows when he's when he's working hard, he's got crazy legs river dance and he's jumping all over the place. Ryan Ellis is one smooth stride just little side stride and then he's already there. It's like and it doesn't look like he's moving that and you have to be able to open your hips and, and do some serious pivots. Uh, it, it makes if your hips are locked up you can't open up and move that way and, and he makes it look easy and uh, that, that, that comes from a lot of work too. That's not something that just happens.
0: You have to work on that flexibility.
1: Yeah, yes. you work on that and your strength and training and, and, uh, and the skating ability of you know, all these guys now but uh, Ryan Ellis is, is very subtle
0: Yeah. All right, let's go to the rules. There are so many to go over. The changes for this uh, 2019 2020 NHL season. The first of those we'll deal with is helmets. If a player's helmet comes off during play, he'll be assessed a minor penalty if he does not exit the playing surface or retrieve and replace his helmet.
1: With, with, within, uh, and read the rest of it. Yeah, it's within a reasonable amount of time. So let's define. Reasonable <laughs> period of time. What does How that How do you argue that with a referee? Yeah. I thought it was reasonable. I did not think it was reasonable. I waited reasonable. until the
0: next period <laughs> and I, I thought I would do it. This-
1: yeah, no. So, yeah, basically, uh, it, it's a good rule. I, I think to protect the players, uh, they don't want guys going out. And I think that comes from Tory Krug in the playoffs. Uh, he lost his helmet behind the net or in, in the defensive zone and got upset and steamrolled all the way back and yes. blew someone up. And the last thing the NHL wants to see is is someone getting hurt because they continue play without a helmet. So as soon as the initial play is over, they should either go get their helmet or get off the ice. So I, I, I think it's a good rule. I, I think it makes sense. That just the wording is difficult. But how do you, how do you do it? How do you say that was the end of the play? You know, if you have the puck – and you're going down the ice, and you your helmet gets knocked off in a battle. Do you have to just not touch the puck I mean that's not fair you're carrying the puck into the zone you're going in sense going to break away in the goalie helmet comes off yeah what what happens you know yeah. like uh now now the other side of that is if you flip someone's helmet off, and that's part of this too, then you get assessed a penalty which right. I used to live off of is the you know if a guy's in front of the net I'll push his helmet off and you know a lot of guys don't want to be in front of a shot when the, no or or you or you put the helmet over their eyes so that's a classic move right there you, you know the shot's coming you're not going to be able to tip a puck when, when your helmet's over your eyes so Correct. Uh, that would be assessed a penalty which I you know I, as much fun as it was for me I, I not not too many people could reach up and take my helmet off but uh, I did that a lot, and, and that's probably a good move to take that out. Ever have you and Chara? I tried to knock off his helmet, but he's, he, he punched me in the face three times. So okay. yeah, I stopped trying.
0: Let's go to Rule 20.6. The on-ice video review of major penalties. And now they are mandated. Referees shall review all plays that result in the assessment of any major other than a major penalty for fighting for the purpose of confirming or then modifying the original call.
1: They now there's this is where it gets sticky for me. Yes, is, it does. Um, they can if it's a double minor, they can take it to a, a, a single. A single. You can't blow. You can't get rid of it unless it's by their own player, right? Right. And that's where this is coming from. If it, if your own if your teammate high sticks you and you get cut, they don't want to assess that. Right. Um, with a major, they they can bring it back down to a minor, but you can't get rid of – you can't just put it in the wash. Um, so I, we'll see how that works. Uh, that's that's one that – you know, are the referees going to err on the side of call a major, call a double minor because – Because they can reduce that? Because they can reduce it. I, and Because they, they can't
0: add to a minor. They
1: can't add to it. So maybe they call more majors. I assume the fans will be irate. Oh, yeah. Because – that was supposed to be a major, but again we're looking at um you know, this is another rule that is a reaction from what happened in what was that Vegas, San Jose, right? Vegas San Jose, exactly. And and that that was a game changer. I was a season changer. Was it ever? So a five minute major called and and three goal four goals and that's that someone's season is over, they don't they don't want that to happen. So they want to get the right call. Same thing
0: happens now. Well not the same but the same consideration. For match penalty reviews, right? And not that that is that frequent, but still.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's another thing. A I, I, I referee's more likely to to call a match penalty and and then rescind it rather than say, "Hey, that was just a regular penalty," and then go, "Whoops, that should have been a match." All right. So we'll see.
0: Ah, the situation room and the video goal judge. This. <laughs> This is always something that we always wonder about. We've we've mused about it while in the live situation on the air, trying to determine. Number one, is it goaltender interference?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we'll, if we'll ever have. I don't know if we'll ever have a, a a real answer. I don't care how many video reviews and how many frame by frame you break it down; it doesn't make it any easier. You know what? You know what, Pete? I wish. You know, we could just say, "Hey, the ref made a mistake," and then and move we can and we move on. You know, you know. I'm, I'm well, you remember the good old days when they be like, "That ref's a bum; he blew it." Yep. Okay, let's move on. Let's play the game. Well, I hear
0: every now and then from an ex nho referee, Wally Harris, who in Buffalo, New York, is known as Harris is a bum. Uh, <laughs> he he, uh, he understood that uh, situation as well. But the, the goal review procedures, so those sometimes well, and I think they should be. Are the ones that take the longest period of time?
1: Yeah, because it's a, a lot of them are subjective, and you break it down frame by frame. It's not was his toe on the line, or was you know it's you have to look at it and decide. And in the pace of play, you know, it's I find that so difficult to do, and I'm usually wrong on all those calls. But uh, you know they they want to get it right, and I respect the fact that they want to get it right. Um, now is that is that that now we're talking about coaches' challenges? We'll get, to that. we'll get to that in a bit. Okay, all right. On the show. I'll let you get to that. I, sorry, I but get sorry, But
0: not this segment, but I agree with you. Now, here are the goal situations subject to video review. Number one, this is perhaps the best of them by definition. Puck crossing the goal line. Puck in the net prior to the goal frame being dislodged. Puck in the net prior to, or parenthetically, after the expiration of time at the end of a period. Was there a distinct kicking motion? Puck deliberately directed, batted, or thrown into the net by an attacking player by any means and with any part of his body other than the stick. I mean, those alone, and there are many more corollaries to that thereafter that have to be taken into consideration.
1: Yeah, well, well that, they should just say, hey, was it a goal? Move on. Yes. Was it a goal? <laughs> yes, we believe it was a goal. That's tough. It's, uh, I just all those things... Uh, it makes it really difficult on the referees, but again, they they want to get it right. And and then in the playoffs, on a big game, they don't mind taking their time looking at it. Uh, so they want to get it right.
0: And we'll, the last one we'll do in this segment here is the distinct kicking motion. Sometimes I wonder if they wouldn't be better off if they didn't worry about it, that at all.
1: Well, you know what the problem is, is um, I've always said that. It, it would be great if you could just kick it in, but then you'd have guys just kicking all over the place and, and then, you know, with blades on their feet out there, you know. Uh, maybe not a bad, maybe a bad idea to do that. So okay. So I guess you take away the kicking, and that's fair enough.
0: Take away the kicking. All right, our producer is Kenny Adams, in with us here tonight at 102.5 The Game. We're going to take this break. We'll come back from The Athletic Los Angeles. Lisa Dillman, there was a nice piece on The Athletic and Richard Deitch yesterday uh, involving all, pretty much all the NHL writers on the athletic, how to improve television presentation of the National Hockey League. Maybe some things to subtract, some things to add. We'll continue with our Predators preview show on 1025 The Game. Pete Weber with Hal Gill. We continue with our Predators at NHL Preview Show for the upcoming season. Join now. Very happy to have Lisa Dillman from The Athletic Los Angeles with us right now. Lisa, you knew I had to be sitting in a coffee shop yesterday morning reading Richard Deitch's piece with all of you athletic hockey writers trying to get together with the improvements you could foresee in NHL television coverage. And I loved yours because... And, and you had the perfect example, citing Daryl Sutter, who looked like Bitter Beer Face oftentimes during those commercials about the On Ice interview. Maybe we've done, and this includes the network coverage as well, too many of these?
2: I, you know, I, I have to tell you, I, I feel for the poor reporter that is thrown into the deep end <laughs> having to interview somebody like Daryl Sutter. And, and I, and I, when I watch the NBA games, I, I think the same way when Greg Popovich is talking or they're trying to get something out of him. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's you know, you can ask the best question, and if Daryl Sutter is not in the mood, he won't answer it. And uh, it, it's it's tough. I, I'm like, you're watching, you're, you're cringing, thinking, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? So... I um I think it, it it's a concept that should, should probably be retired and won't be retired.
0: Yeah, I, I think because at least on the NBC part of it, I think that's Sam Flood's favorite part of the telecast. And there's the executive so producer. Too.
2: And I and I yeah and and, the, and it gives I guess it gives the appearance of being an insider, being right there, you know, uh, you know, on ice level, right there in the in the thick of things, and uh, maybe visually it looks good too, and and you know other sideline reporters do it and uh, like I said I'm I do not think it's going to go away anytime soon but you know we, we would sit in the press box and, and watch and, and we were wondering what Daryl was saying because we wouldn't have the noise on I'd send a tweet out to our readers saying okay what did he say and, <laughs> and I'd get different interpretations from different readers so it was it was kind of fun
0: I would just like to imagine what it would be like if Mike Keenan were coaching in the NHL today that would be oh a God. great or night. Scottie, so,
2: or or Scotty Bowman.
0: Well, sometimes <laughs> Scotty can be great, but yes, I agree yes. with you.
2: Oh, Scotty's incredible. I mean, the, the man is just fascinating to talk to, but in, in his in his heyday when he was really a um, uh, much tougher tougher egg back in his Montreal yes. days, and yes. the reporters were afraid of him when there were no TV cameras around.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Well, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. I thought Richard did a really nice job of um yeah. the opinions of all the athletic uh, writers around the country and, and in Canada.
0: When did you submit your opinion as he assembled all of this and put it out on Monday?
2: Well, since I procrastinate about almost everything in life, I think I sent it to him Saturday afternoon. And um, actually, his deadline was Sunday. So for once, I was slightly early. And and, and, and like I said, I could have I could have written a few other things. But That kind of jumped out at me for some reason. I I don't know. Maybe I had Daryl on my mind because, you know, he's working with the Ducks now. Right. Which is another fascinating twist to Southern California hockey.
1: Uh, This is Hal over here. Uh, I I have to ask you, uh, we've been focused on the Central Division out here, and and with good reason. I think it's going to be a tough division, but never sleep on the Pacific. What what can you say? uh, How are things going out there? Because I'm sure – they're probably sick and tired of being looked over after the central.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I I suppose you you might be talking to my colleague, um, Eric Stevens, at some point about the ducks, but um, you know, there's a lot of rebuilding going on here in Southern California. I mean, I think the sharks will continue to be a factor. Like they always are every single year, no matter what seems to be happening. But I I think there's like a lot of um, ground to make up here and the ducks Both both Ducks and Kings have have nice prospect pools. Um, The Ducks probably have a few more players that are NHL-ready and are slightly ahead on the curve. But um, the Kings, you know, the Athletic rank their prospect pool quite high. Um, I think NHL.com did too. So there's some hope coming. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, it's hard to sort of preach patience to fans and to the media, I suppose. But, you know, that's what they're going to have to try and do here.
0: With a three-headed goaltending monster in the Kings' uniforms.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 you Cal Peterson. uh, You just watch him, and and you know he'll be playing. You know, barring injury or trade, he'll be in Ontario most of this season. Yeah. And, and the season, and the kid the kid could step in right now and play. He, he is that ready. He has it together. He has that poise. You know, there was a brief, you know, he had a cameo last season when Jonathan Quick was hurt, and then when Jack Campbell was, was injured too. And, um, you know, I think he had a shutout in his second or third game and, 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 and just seemed ready for it. And uh, the longest the thing will be very interesting to see what happens with, with Jack Campbell and um, – Cal Peterson is that they're, they're, so the goalie, goalie guru, Dusty Emu, has left the organization yes. and is working in China. So, um, you know, he's still in touch with them, of course, but I think that's a big loss for the organization. And I think uh, somebody in the executive told me that they'll kind of miss his contributions as the season goes along.
0: We've seen how important goaltender coaches can be right here uh, in Nashville, as you have, <laughs> you know, Ben Vanderklok, who was the assistant here uh, to Mitch Korn and now seeing how that goes. There's a, a tree of gurus, it seems, for goaltenders.
2: It's a little goalie. I think the phrase is goalie whisperers. <laughs> I always think of somebody, you know, a horse whisperer. But they're, they're a special breed. They understand each other. It's almost like a fraternity. I mean, I know Kevin, Kevin Weeks on NHL Network yes. is, is, keeps in touch with Jonathan Quick. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that goalies can reach out to in texts. Text him, and you know, during good times and bad times. So it is. It's almost like an unofficial fraternity that, like, like the, they they really like to help each other out. And and you know, I'm not overlooking Bill Ranford, who's one of the best in the business, and uh, you know, has been Jonathan Quick's mentor from the get-go. And he, you know, he is still you know still around and still doing his thing, and and is is quite good.
0: Do you think Rob Blake <laughs> is looking at something that could he get a huge package of players? For his goaltender right now, and then bring these youngsters in.
2: Well, I, I think that the goalie market is so unpredictable, and, and it's old, it's really hard to make a major trade once the season has started. Oh yeah. Now we don't really know if he if he tried very if if there were efforts made during the off season to move Jonathan Quick in his contract or not. But it it is, it is sort of difficult to sort of evaluate him. Based on, you know, last season he had some of the, you know, worst totals of his, his career, plus the injuries. So, you know, in order to sort of make a deal, you know, they weren't exactly dealing from a position of strength. I think the best case scenario for them would be to sort of go along the season, see how he's playing. If he's back to the quick of old, which is, you know, as recent as two seasons ago, then they might have something larger to talk about.
0: Prove his health, in other words.
2: Exactly.
1: I I you know I I just feel like I'm stuck and I always feel like LA is tough and and the Kings are a tough team to play against and it's because of the core group of guys that they have and and they haven't had success is there is there anyone that we should be watching for coming up that's going to that's really going to impress us this year
2: Well there's, some, there's player that um at the draft everybody was talking about alex Turcott and, yeah. and, and what a great draft the kings had and then you know they picked this young swede at 22 uh, tobias Bjornfot 18 uh, year old defenseman and you know it's like you know quiet kid didn't get like i said didn't get a lot of attention okay here we are season's about to start well the kings don't play till saturday but he's on the roster he's on the roster there's many other more highly touted defensemen that were taken ahead of him that that are back with either their junior teams yeah. or in the AHL or uh, back in Europe and this kid this kid is going to open the season unless he gets hurt in the next couple of days playing alongside Drew Dowdy that is kind of a storyline that really nobody could have expected or predicted or if they said they expected that they're lying you know <laughs> back in June
0: so that's sort of like a young kid breaking in with ray bork in boston <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's a really good comparison and, and and someone said to me someone said to me you know he's good for number eight and number eight is good for him and mm. uh, and, and dowdy's sort of viewing himself i still think of him as a kid um he's he's, he's viewing himself as a mentor to this youngster they're laughing on the bench and you know having a good time and really seeming to hit it off um at this point of course no real games has been played yet so we'll see how it goes, but it's definitely, you know, what happened was Derek Forbert hurt his back. So he, the back injury has taken a lot longer than anybody could expect it to, to rehab. So that swung the door wide open to uh, have auditions for Dowdy's partner. And they tried, they tried uh, Joachim Ryan there. They even put uh, Alec Martinez with him, but then that was sort of Impacting the rat, the bottom part of the D core. So then they gave this kid a shot with him, and <laughs> they haven't looked back.
1: Does does that probably give Doughty some young legs to you know revitalize him, so to speak? Or, or what, how does he too. look at that? Yeah. Or is he is he okay with the rebuild? Or is he does he well, want to win now?
2: I, I, he wants, you know. I think it, it's 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 a real tough position. He's saying all the right things, um, <laughs> you know. At the start of camp I, I was not quite so sure what his mindset was. He was saying all the right things but he didn't seem very energized. But his camp has gone along and, and then when they put him put him with this kid, you know, he, he was practically giddy after a preseason game last week at, at Staples Center. So I think he's sort of seeing that. There's a kid named Blake Lazat who's playing um uh the third center spot, big energized or undrafted kid from St. Claude State. You know, he's really brought a little oomph to the to the lineup so I think some of, these, some of these kids are coming along and have had good camps and are sort of giving hope and a little bit of uh, energy to the veterans, so to speak. And it's funny, Drew became a father, I guess, either yesterday or today. So he has a, he has a young daughter. So you probably need all the energy he can get. <laughs>
0: yeah, at least for this first part of the season, to be certain. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for your time. And when you mentioned the kids from St. Cloud State, every spring, Pat Micheletti would tell me, that's the team to pick in the Frozen Four. And I keep holding that over his head.
2: <laughs> I still don't know how they could have lost. But uh, I was talking with Blake Lazat's mother today and she said they went from like, you know, from such a disappointment to the next week is her her son was playing he played the final game of the season with yes. the Kings. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's good good on you.
0: <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa. We'll see you in about a week or so.
2: Okay, thank you very much.
0: Lisa Dillman Enjoyed from it. the Athletic LA joining us here on a Predators Preview Show. Hal and I will be back with much more, folks. You're not done with us, not by a long shot, as we come your way on ESPN 1025, The Game, Nashville. You need be told no more than that. The Predators preview show is on. Pete Weber and Hal Gill with you here. So we spoke with Lisa Dillman about a number of things. First of all, her contribution to Richard Deitch's athletic column about – improvements you'd like to see in television coverage around the league and I think most of us seem to feel uh that none of us necessarily want the job where you go on and interview the coach on the bench during the course of play. It depends on
1: how... depends on how the game's going, right? Yeah. You're <laughs> up 8 nothing? Go ahead and talk. Hey, to let's her. shoot. Let's go. Hey, come yeah. on. What do you got? Uh when you're when you're losing and you had a bad shift? Uh well, you know, I I think we've we I I might have been you talking to or one of the guys talking to Brent Peterson, and Brent Peterson <laughs> was yelling at guys in the middle of the, yes, the interview. I, I think uh, you know you get caught up in the heat of the game, and it's hard to turn it off and 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 figure out the right thing to say because it's a lot to ask of that coach. It is. I mean, I, I I'm always impressed with with guys that can do that. I, you know, I was pretty dialed in and focused, and I didn't want to be talking to anyone at the point. When- I certainly wanted to be censored. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, understood. Okay, we'll go over some of the more of these uh, rules, alterations, or interpretations changed for this season. Um, the puck struck with a high stick. I don't think that's a change. They're just looking where the puck is struck uh, relative to the crossbar. So that's, that's black and white. Now, the video review to verify time on the clock. I think there were several times in the preseason where they didn't do that. And uh, I think there's some confusion as a result.
1: I, I I think that becomes another thing that's difficult to. When when do you do that? You know, because there's a lot of times, you know, clock ticks one two seconds. It, do we stop it now and go back and look? And you know, it, they used to be very vague, like, well, it, you know, just hold the clock on the next yeah. start, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, and they're not going to do that. They're going to dial it in and. Uh, try to be as exact as possible.
0: Okay. Coach's challenge. This could be a lengthy period here. But the video review mechanism triggered by the coach's challenge can only be utilized in goal, no goal. So that makes things a little bit easier and maybe not as time-consuming. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're not going to know until they actually play it out.
1: Yeah. Well, this is the one. Is this is this one they can challenge, really anything? They can challenge a hand pass before the play. They can challenge a high stick. Here we uh, go. There was in Boston where it hit the the netting. Yes, there was one in Los Angeles years
0: ago, uh, a Kings game in Detroit where it sprung out and came right. down in the Red Wings.
1: Court. And, and they want to they want to nip that in the bud. And, and yeah, uh, but the the question is, how far can back can they go? Yes. Uh, you know, it, they. I think they're saying right now, and you you have the rule right in front of you, is it? It has to be within the play. Yes, you don't exit the zone. Yeah, come back and then
0: take a goal away, for
1: example. Yeah, but that's also another gray area that the refs are going to be put on the spot for that. Is is it a reasonable period of time? That wasn't the same play. <laughs> well, it it was in the offensive zone, so you know it's a continuation of the same play. I I don't know. Uh, tough it, to call. The offside
0: review, which we have had now for some six years or so, uh, boy did we see so many of them in the playoffs this last spring. And
1: you know what always impresses me is how close we go frame by frame mm-hmm. to try to figure these out. And referees are looking at them as in full speed, and this game is fast. And they they're more often than not they make the right call. Yes. You know, well of course with Matt Duchesne against against the Preds, that Chris was a Chris Mason little off. will still talk about that. <laughs> that was a little off. But uh you know, they're they're usually spot on with that and frame by frame it becomes difficult. We know that from from the playoffs two years ago. Right. Three years ago. Right, and that's uh you know, as good as electronics are now, there's still a little bit of fuzz there. Yeah, that was that blade on the ice? Was it on the snow? Was it above the snow? Was was there a chunk of ice that it may have been touching yeah it's not a it's not a perfect game and uh, they're trying to make the rules perfect
0: we had an offside challenge in Toronto a number of years ago that took a long time and it only because we had 4k resolution of the video right. could they determine that Mike Fisher's skate was offside
1: right but now they've they've changed the the penalties for the the referee it's not a timeout anymore right explain that. Uh, if you can, I don't know that I can. It's, actually, it's, it's one. You get a penalty assessed yes. if you're if a, for a failed challenge, wrong, yeah, and then a second challenge is a double minor, yep. So you get two penalties. I'm not sure where it goes. I think there's nothing more than a double minor, right? And this we think is. Going so to- I assume you can have three challenges, four yeah. challenges, and. And they, those the third and fourth would still be a double minor. Yeah, that's not, my in, interpretation. Not a triple or a quadruple. I don't, yeah, <laughs> you're going to play the rest
0: of the game shorthanded. <laughs> missed game stoppage event. This takes us back to the St. Louis uh, final, Western Conference final, yeah. with San Jose and the hand pass in the offensive zone. Right. That was totally missed. Yeah.
1: That, and and that's, that's something that should be taken care of, you know, if, if it's pretty clear. But, again uh you know it's a fine line did that was that did it hit his glove was it a hand pass uh now we we, uh, do we have to read it. the mind was it intentional it was it intentional it it becomes uh difficult did it hit the shaft of his stick or did it hit his glove i you know so um it's still it's not it's never going to be perfect guys no. but the nhl is trying to do their best to get it there and now do we have time i'm
0: going to give it a try Interference on the goalkeeper. A play that results in a goal when the defending team claims the goal should have been disallowed due to interference. And there was all sorts of rules we can refer to there. Despite the puck having entered the net, where the on-ice officials to determine the attacking team was guilty of interference on the goalkeeper? And then the brouhaha starts. The arguments.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, I, I just don't know if, if we can be perfect. You're the only one that's perfect around here, Pete. No, no, I certainly you know? am not.
0: But, <laughs> but try to determine if a defending player had pushed yeah. a member of the offensive team into the goaltender. That's
1: very difficult too. Yeah, I'm. I'm so old school when it comes to this. I I see the game the way I see it, and uh, I, I always look to the the Sandlot game just call it the way it should be called, be honest and just, and just call it, uh, it, you know, it's going to be difficult to determine and you make it in slow motion. It makes it that much harder. Oh. We've seen that, uh, you know, the game happens fast and if a player loses his edge or was he pushed in, uh, there's, there's a lot to be looked at, but, um, you know, I have a lot of faith in the referees and they work hard on this. So, uh, but they're going to get some help and, you know, and that'll be a good question for the referees. Do they want that help? Do they, as do yes. they like having it out of their hands at times? And I would think most referees would say,
0: "Tell us no." Yeah, just I, I would <laughs> think that for sure. I'm sure. All right, folks, we've got another hour of our Predators playoff preview to come your way. Next hour, we hear from Tom Reed, longtime NHL defenseman. He uh, is on the Minnesota Wild Radio broadcast team. We'll talk to him about the team that is coming in here on Thursday night. Later on, Terry Crispin. We're also going to hear from Captain Roman Yossi from earlier in the day on the air, talking about any manner of things, including where he was during Wimbledon. Where was he taking all that in right around wedding day? Was it not? I yeah, think it he did was. did get married. Yeah and run his wedding day. All right, along with our producer, Kenny Adams and Hal Gill, I'm Pete Weber. Stay tuned. Another hour coming up on 102.5 The Game. Hour number two of our two-hour preview, Pete Weber, Hal Gill here in studio. And with the Predators opening up Thursday night against the Minnesota Wild, we're joined now by a man who has been with the Chicago Blackhawks, the Minnesota North Stars the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. And on the broadcast from the outset of the franchise, the Minnesota Wild, Tom Reed joins us now. Tom, how are you doing?
3: Doing well, gentlemen. I'm just uh, kind of glad to get the uh, preseason over with and back to the real stuff.
0: Isn't everybody glad for that? And maybe and maybe particularly you. <laughs>
3: uh, absolutely. It does a little more business down on West 7th Street here, down, not too far from the Excel Center. So we get a little bit uh, busier during these home games.
0: So you won't be there tomorrow night for opening night in your establishment. You will be, having traveled here to Music City, getting ready for Thursday.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right, Pete. But I've got, I think I have uh, enough people that can <laughs> handle the workload there. As long as they're watching the a cash register, that's all I care about.
0: There you go. There you go. Concentration on all of that. So what an, uh, an off-season. What a summer for the Minnesota Wild. A little tumultuous. And now Billy Guerin, a good friend of Hal's, is in there as general manager.
3: And I'm sure Hal's got stories about him. But, you know, everyone I've talked to, and I've known Billy for a number of years, not very close, but just in a, passing uh, in, the, uh, in the night sometimes. But he's a guy that comes in here, and he, he took the job August 21st. As you guys know, that doesn't give you a lot of time to put everything together. But it was a little bit tough. And, of course, uh, one of the year-old uh, employees down there, Paul Fenton, was dismissed after 14 months. And uh, uh, unfortunately, they didn't couldn't put it together to make it work for him, and so they had to uh, bring in somebody else. And I think Billy Garrett, even though he's a, he's inexperienced as a general manager, he's made some really good moves already. Just getting to know the players and getting to know the people in the the office staff. It's you know people talk about the team all the time and the players and getting to know them, but it's the people surrounding it too that make such a make, make it such a fun atmosphere for everyone, especially when you're winning.
1: Yeah, I, I to add on that. I, I I know Billy is is a a huge character guy. The way he played, uh, and and even talking to him now, he's still got that passion. And I know he's going to bring that to the wild but has he done anything i i'm i'm just imagining he's a big culture guy he was when i played with him he was the guy that would bring everyone out to dinner we're going out to dinner as a team we're going to be a team and and through thick and thin has he done any of that with with a team because i looked up and down the lineup but i don't i don't see any huge problems there that's a good lineup uh is there is there a lot of that's put into culture with that team
3: yeah, I think it is, Hal. I think you're absolutely right, and of course, the, this team, the Wild, had a chance to go and bond with each other. We went off to veil for a few days, and uh, he was he uh, was part of all the different activities they did, whether it was sitting around the campfire having dinner, uh, you know, golfing, and so on, and just you know making his presence felt to the players and having individual talks with the players and what's expected and and whatnot. But he certainly has let it been known too that he's in charge. And uh, you know, if you have problems, you deal with the you, know, the you deal with your coach, you deal with whoever you have to. Uh, but he wants the culture of this hockey club to change, and I think he's done really a good job in, in that regard already, especially with some of the veterans who had kind of a, a, a free hand to do what they wanted to do, maybe in previous years. But that certainly, well, that will not be the way with with Bill. And he just wants them to know that you know what he's on board with them, and you know, and he wants them to to cultivate this team and and to. Bring that that uh, winning attitude and that relationship of each other into that locker room.
1: Yeah, it, coming in late uh, in August, I, I I know it's a tough. He really didn't have; it doesn't have time to make too many decisions and change too much. All the wheeling and dealing has been done. Is that maybe a good thing that he can sit back and watch his team? And his in Minnesota is there any pressure for him to make a move? I, I know. Uh, you know sometimes you you get itchy on the trigger to make a move to change a team, but I feel like he could sit and, and watch this team play and see how it pans out in the beginning of the season. Is that the case
3: yeah i think I think hell yeah, you hit the nail right on the head there because he came in here and he doesn't want to make any uh, abrupt moves until he sees what he has and then he'll start to make the changes down the road. Will they happen in the first month, the first three months we don't know we don 't know when that's going to happen but I think he's comfortable where he is right now, and I think he's been given, you know, latitude to do what he has to do. Uh, it's not easy coming in and, you know, August 21st and your training camp is opening a couple weeks later, you know, and it makes it a little more difficult. But he's been involved right from the get-go, and he seems comfortable. Uh, there was one situation where uh, one of our, our staff members was leaving the Wild organization, going out to LA, and they had a little party for it down at my pub. And there's about 30, 40 people then who comes walking in. There's Billy coming in to wish her well and, and to get to know the the the, the, uh, the staff that works around the perimeter of the team itself. And I think he's done a remarkable job of making everyone feel very comfortable around him.
0: Tom Reed is our guest here at our Predators preview show for 2019-2020. Among the earlier moves, though, he did have to make, Jared Spurgeon and putting his ink on a contract
3: you Pete, you guys have watched Jared Spurgeon. Yes. Uh, you know, a few years ago, Jimmy uh, Jim Mill, who was the mm-hmm. assistant to Chuck Fletcher when he was here, came to me after their camp in Traverse City, their rookie camp there. And he said, we've got this defense. It's going to be awesome. I said, what's his name? He said, "Jared Spurgeon. I said, great. I said, is he a big defenseman? Or what? He said, he's a defenseman. He's about 5'6 or 5'7. I said, what? And, you know, Hal, I look at you and how big you are, and I look at him and go, are you kidding me? There's no <laughs> way this guy's going to make it. You know what? He's been our best defenseman the last two years. He's absolutely incredible. He ain't just a new contract, uh, what, seven years at, at like $52 million or whatever. And if you look at him, you would think, who's that little kid in the room? <laughs> he's 29 years old. He looks like he's 12. He's got four kids, and he's a wonderful guy to be around. I mean, his attitude and what he brings to the table, and I think his relationship with the players is really uh, well thought of because he just uh, he's a guy that uh, works, works his – Tail off, whether it be in practice, whether it be in the games. I, I think he's really a good mentor for a lot of the young kids coming in.
1: Yeah, you, you also adding adding another guy, uh, Zuccarello. Uh, you know, we saw a, a lot of him uh, last year in the playoffs, and uh, I, you know, he's a guy that can can dish the pocket. And it looks like is is he going to be playing with Parise, and and is that is that the case?
3: yeah that's that's where they got him right now. They've got him and Eric Stahl who's coming back also as as well in that sunrise position, but they they that's a, could be a pretty good line if they can if they can connect together and it, it it isn't done overnight. they've had pretty good success in the uh in the preseason games, but Ziccarella is one of those guys that can make passes now here's the guy that what, he's thirty two years old he comes in he has he' a five year contract uh no movement. But I've watched him in, in the uh, in the preseason games he's played, and he's been absolutely terrific with this hockey club. And uh, he reminds me a lot of Granlin in, in the fact that okay. he can feather those those, those passes uh, through the bodies, through the legs, over the sticks, and so on. And uh, that's what we thought when we lost Granlin, being uh, probably our best offensive player uh, at that time. And, and uh, I think Zuccarello is going to be able to certainly fill that void to a certain extent.
0: How has Kevin Fiala shown so far? <clears throat>
3: uh okay uh he i mean he's got some great skills i mean he can shoot the puck he's got that quick release and so on his biggest problem i think uh pete is the fact that he's got to learn to play with his teammates too he wants to do a lot himself and as a result of that there's a lot of giveaways on his part and that's the thing he's got to he's got to guard against and he's got to play within the parameters that they're going to allow him to to play, and, and that's to be using his line mates and his defensemen instead of trying to do it all by himself. But we're hoping that he will w- step up. It was a tough transition, you know, to, when, you, when you're when you're traded at that that point in your in your season. It's really difficult to come in, and of course we we lost Granlin, we lost Coy, we lost Rider and you got three new guys coming to your. And your lineup, and it takes a long time for them really to adjust and get to know them because those three guys were really well liked by the uh, by the, the 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 team itself, by the players. So you lose that, and you have the then that you had that that you're on guard all the time about well, we, we lost so and so for so and so. Is he going to be better, or he he was my be- one of my best friends, and he's gone now. And so there's there is a transition period, and last year didn't go very well for this team. Also, after being in the playoffs for six or eight years, and then to uh, to be where they were last year was uh, certainly disappointing for not just the the, the, uh, the players, but certainly for the fans and management.
1: Well, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, being in the Central Division, I, you know, uh, we talk about it all the time. Uh, you know, Winnipeg maybe took a step back. Uh, I feel like Nashville is just as strong. Uh, you look around, and Colorado and Dallas are, are big. It's got to be frustrating because you're playing against – the best teams all year round is that something that is it is frustrating for the, for those guys
3: i i think it is i mean i i think the central division could be the toughest division this year i mean i yeah. look at at your team of course you guys had tremendous success in the preseason now you hope that carries through into the regular season dallas is a better team we've seen them st louis blues the stanley cup champions they're not going to be any slouches mm-hmm. to play against the so jets i thought would be uh, losing something with the loss of so many guys in the blue line. Yeah. We played them twice, and they've been, they've been very good against us. So that blue line has worked hard, but they've got the guys at the front end also. that are really helping them. And then, of course, you've got Colorado. And to me, I think in our division, I look, I look at the Dallas and Colorado being two of the top teams. Nothing away from you guys, believe me, but uh, I haven't seen you guys yet. But uh, watching those, those two teams play, and, of course, Chicago, they still have Kane, and they still have Taves. That
0: they do. Tom, thank you so much for your time tonight. We'll see you soon. Okay. Yeah, we'll see see you you very soon.
3: You may not see me tomorrow, but I'll see you downtown.
0: Okay. (laughs) We we will have people ready to escort you around. Thank you, Tom.
3: Thank
0: you. Tom Reed from Minnesota Wild Radio Team. When we come back, Roman Yossi from earlier today with Darren Donick and Chase. As we continue with our preview show, looking ahead to 2019-2020, we don't have to look that far. It starts on Thursday. The preview show heading into the 2019 20 season. The captain of the Predators is Roman Yossi. Earlier today, he was the guest on Darren, Donick, and Chase.
4: Back here on Darren, Donick, and Chase, live here at Centennial Sportsplex, ESPN 1025, the game. Now joined by the captain, Roman Yossi, has decided uh, to. Uh, eat a quick lunch after practice, and then come out here and hang out with us. So we appreciate that. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? JRT is your hat. That uh, You got a little free lid from a teammate?
5: Yep. Ryan Johansson. and Journey Risk True. It's a uh, little company back in Vancouver, and okay. uh, he gave us some free stuff this morning. Very nice. Yep.
4: Some free swag. How was the food back there? How was the spread?
5: It was good. Really yeah. good. We had a little food truck. Uh, oh, yeah. Some burgers. It was good. Oh, very nice. Any street yeah. corn at all? Uh, no, no, just burgers on. and fries. Okay,
4: That's, that'll still work, right? <laughs> sure, <laughs> that'll get it done. Yeah. Uh, let's just say a hearty congrats, by the way, to you uh, this off season. Thank you. Wedding, getting yep. married,
5: went on a little safari. How was that? It was fun. It was uh, it was awesome. That, um, that had to have been a first, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, my family's been and they they told me how awesome it is and um, we yeah my my wife loves animals and um, I love animals so we. We figured it be would be a good trip to do after the wedding.
4: Yeah, it's cool, and and we're a big fan of animals on the show too. But we want to keep a safe distance from like lions <laughs> yeah. and tigers and elephants and oh my! But yeah, I took it's we hilarious. took our son to Animal Kingdom, to Disney World this yep. year, first time, and they had you know obviously a scaled down safari version there at Animal Kingdom, and it's really cool. But so, what was that like?
5: it was cool because it was cool because you you see those animals uh in their natural habitat you're right like there, um and it's actually pretty pretty funny how you're in the car but the car is not covered at all and they they kind of just don't acknowledge the car like it's like normal for them so they still do their own thing kind of and you're just watching them doing yeah doing what they do and it's uh, it's pretty cool like we saw some real fun stuff
4: like what was an animal that stood out to you
5: uh the leopard was cool yeah um did he um get really close? Yeah, they were, yeah, there were a couple of feet away from the car, really? just laying there, and um, you, you're not supposed to move on the car. And one time, someone behind me actually moved, and the leopard kind of stood up and like looked me, like I swear, looked me straight in the eyes and <laughs> started hissing. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, drive away. But that was kind of scary. That's when you realize like yeah. they're they're wild animals, so you got to be careful. But but it was it was awesome, like we saw so many cool things, so many cool animals
4: now did you stay out in it like a hut, or how does that work? Where did you stay
5: uh we stayed in like different different camps um we um the last one was like a tent uh the one the second one was kind of a tent um little lodge, and the first one was a lodge so it was they were all a little bit different, but really cool setups
4: but they're still out there in you know the wild right yeah,
5: they're in the middle of nowhere, so wow. it's just that camp, it's it's pretty awesome.
6: It, it was cool to see the picture of the meerkat just like leaning up against you <laughs> while yeah. you're just sitting there on Instagram. I th- I was like, it just ran right up to you. Is that- yeah,
5: I, I guess they're used to that uh, there that there's a lot of people around always and and yeah, they were pretty funny. The meerkats are they're trying to look out for for predators like birds and stuff, and so they they sometimes one even went up, up on my shoulder. I was trying to see if if somebody's trying to attack him. So it was pre- it was pretty funny. <laughs> So, uh, by
4: the way, we got to ask this one. So, two years in a row, you guys have ended the preseason in Raleigh in an overtime win <laughs> with Joey finishing things off. And we don't, in, in baseball, it's a walk off. As you know, you're yeah. a baseball fan, but it can't be a walk off in hockey. I guess it's a skate off. <laughs> yeah. So, was that discussed at all at any point before the game, during the game? Going into at any point was that discussed of Joey? You got to do what you did last year. <laughs> no, I don't think
5: it was. Well, I was I didn't play. I know, night, I know but, you didn't play, but I, I you're the captain. We, yeah. You know everything that's going. Yeah, on. Um, we we didn't talk about it honestly. Um no? I saw it too, and I was like, it was so funny because it was the best. Last year was kind of like I was. On, I remember I was I was on the ice, and I was, was kind of celebrating. You played last yeah, year, right? I was celebrating. I was like, "Where's Joey?" And like nobody really <laughs> knew what's happening. <laughs> and I think this year, once once he scored, everybody knew he was gonna go for that for that door again.
4: I wonder if some of the younger guys who weren't a part of that last year, if they had any idea or if they were just laughing going, oh, my gosh. Because, like you, we were just all just cracking up at yeah. watching this. It was like you know Groundhogs Day, the same thing happened.
5: I know. I know. It, it was pretty funny. I don't know if the the young guys – I'm sure they knew from last year because it was, yeah. it was a pretty funny story last year.
4: Roman Yossi at the table with us. So what did you make of the six preseason games – here at camp uh you've got some new look faces so what do, what do you make of everything to this point
5: um i thought it was a really good camp for us um uh, obviously the, re- the results don't matter as much but uh, i think winning hockey games always gives you a little confidence and um i thought we we played some some really good games and even the practices where guys worked hard so uh, it was it was a good camp
4: matt Duchesne in the mix uh how has his presence been felt
5: he's been great um i mean he's Obviously an unbelievable player, but he's a, he's a great guy, too. Um, yeah, it took him very little time to be, to be a huge part of this team. He's, in, he's an awesome guy around the room. He's, uh, he's great on the ice. He's going to be a huge help for us.
7: Roman, you guys have, uh, the last few years, you know what your expectation level is. and uh, How did you try to use last year as motivation? And as, Particularly as the group talks about is it, is it turning the page, or is it kind of using that as, as having the chip on your shoulder to,
5: to drive you? Um. Well, I think I think you're trying to turn a page. Uh, every year, every year is new, and there's always there's always new guys on the team. And um. Uh. Yeah. He after a long summer, you're just excited to get back to play hockey. And obviously, um, we didn't finish the year like we wanted to last year. But um. But it's a new year. I think we have a a really good team, a really deep team, and there there's a lot of confidence in in our room. And we're just excited to get going. And um. Yeah, excited for this year. What have you noticed from Dante Fabro? Because
7: he is he's impressed us uh the way he carries himself he looks really calm on the ice are you seeing those same things because it looks like he's going to have more responsibility this year
5: yeah he's he's really calm I thought I mean he looked calm last year in the playoffs and it's not easy to to uh be thrown into into playoff games as a young kid and he I thought he played really well and yeah same thing for this camp he's just uh he's a great guy he he works really hard he's he just does his thing kind of on the ice and he yeah he looks like he's been playing in the league for a long time because he's so so calm at the puck and he's never out of position never makes a mistake so he's he's going to be a big part of our success this year
7: now you you guys are full steam ahead i noticed they've just uh they've just put out the the roster that everybody's cleared waivers and everything like that and you guys are set to go on on thursday and around the league all of these rfas have, have now signed i know that that you probably get tired of, it, of being asked this and stuff, but everybody knows that what the, the team would like to do is create a long-term situation with you. I'm guessing you're not going to give a scoop on the air here today, <laughs> but we will but, take uh, it if you will. I mean, if you would <laughs> like to but, announce but, that, that'd yeah, be great. But I'm hoping that everything is is, is moving and at, at some point
5: it'll it'll get done. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> I understand it's a it's a topic, but um, uh, like I said before, I'm, I'm for me it's it's just another season. Like I'm trying to focus. On my hockey game, I'm trying to get ready for the season, uh, having a good camp, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I can do. And as as these
7: rosters get announced, the the predictions start coming out. It's so interesting. There's so many teams in the, in the West and really in the East as well, but there's so little that separates the the first team from the fifth team from the tenth team, and it's such a challenge. To, just just to get back to the
5: playoffs is is not something you can take for granted. Definitely, yeah. Um I mean there's so many good teams in this league and uh every every game you play is hard. So um yeah, I think the first goal has to be to, to make it in playoffs and obviously our division is a real tough division. A lot of a lot of teams with with a lot of good pickups this summer too, so um it's gonna be another hard year but um yeah, we're ready for it.
6: Roman Yossi the captain here with us and you talked about Dante Fabro earlier and we know PK moves on to New Jersey, and that's going to open up in the defensive room for you know, all of you guys to, to step up and fill that void. What have you seen so far, not only out of yourself, but Ryan Ellis, Matthias Eckholm, Dan you the others in, the, in on the defense?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've played with these guys for for a long time, especially Ellie and Ackholm, we kind of came up together, and, um, uh, I mean, they look really good, like, uh, like, like they always do. And um, I think Eki, with the year he had last year, obviously – uh, he he's going to be even better this year. And Ellie had a great year, and he's going to be great too. So we I think on defense we had a lot of depth with Hammer, uh, Webby, uh, Matt Irvin, all these guys. Um, yeah, we've we've been together for for a while now, so the chemistry is really good on our on our D Now we
6: uh, talked a lot last year about the power play. Dan Lambert comes in as another assistant to to try and help you guys. Saw some some success in the preseason. You feeling pretty good about how that's going so far?
5: Yeah, um, I, we worked on it a lot this camp. Uh, we had a lot of practice where we worked on the power play. And um, yeah, uh, Dan Lambert is—he's—he's uh, he's really good. He—he he demands a lot of the power play. Um, it's good. It's intense. We we work on it hard on practice in practice, and obviously we had some success in the games with with Stephanie House, and uh, it's going to give us some confidence going forward.
6: I asked Lavi this question when we had him on last week, but with not a ton of changes on the team, but Duchene is is a new voice. Lambert is a new voice couple of others when you've been together for so long as a core group, is that beneficial to to just be able to lean on some some other voices that haven't been in this room before
5: definitely yeah um I think new ideas are always good um I think as a player as a as a team you're always uh looking for new things that you, you're looking to get better and um I think it's great to have some some different input uh from from other guys that have been in in different teams uh been in the league for a long time and, um, and coaches too that have been in other places i think it's uh it's only beneficial for the team
6: how do you think that you have grown personally
5: as the captain of this team um well i think i've learned a lot the last the last 2 years uh being the captain um i think the the first year and the second year were a little different first year was kind of smooth sailing all regular season we played really well um okay. Didn't end, didn't end the way we wanted it in playoffs, but last year was a little different. There was a lot of up and downs, and I think um, you can learn something, uh, especially me as a captain, I can learn something from, from the wins. I can learn something from the losses, so you just kind of learn how to deal with different situations.
7: Now, we yeah. got to ask, Roman, if you watched, I'm sure you did, the Wimbledon final with your man <laughs> Roger Federer, one of the best matches I think I've ever seen. He, he, he
5: came up a little short against Djokovic, but it was an incredible match to watch. Where
7: were you when you watched it?
5: I was at home. Um, that was... The week of my, of my wedding, the week before my wedding, and okay. um, had uh, four or five of my best friends from Switzerland that I grew up with were here. So for <laughs> us, that's like Federer playing in the Wimbledon final, and uh, they all came over to my house, and um, we did a little brunch, uh, watched the game, and it was yeah, it was disappointing. But he, I mean, he played unbelievably. He should have won that game. Yeah, uh, I mean, the the match point. He had
7: you know, this yeah. beauty of tennis is it's not over until you win yeah. that last point. He had the match point he a couple did.
5: of times there. But it was uh yeah, it was a it was a sad day for us. We were <laughs> we, we were pretty sad. We we take it serious when he loses the Wimbledon final, it's it's um we get sad for a couple of days. Just an incredible guy doesn't age. Yeah, he's incredible. He looks the same as he did ten years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, he's unbelievable. I don't know how he doesn't.
4: Uh speaking of Switzerland, the Flyers are over in Switzerland, so you need to, you know, work on getting you guys over to Switzerland. You're That'd the be captain. Fun, yeah.
5: Winter classic this year and then yeah, Switzerland. Yeah, no. I know, that would be fun. I would love that. Right? That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. Would be a cool experience. Going are you back excited, to burn.
6: Excited about the winter classic?
5: Definitely, yeah. Uh, that's, that's I it's gotta all, be
6: a cool experience to play outdoors. If, yeah. For if, sure. If, I don't know if you ever have coming up through the ranks. But. Um
5: yeah, when I was younger, but um definitely never in an arena like that. And um yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and all the guys are really excited and I think um yeah, you watch all those Winter Classic games the the past years and you never know when you when you get a chance again to play in one, so we're we're definitely gonna enjoy it.
4: Since you're from Switzerland, hot or cold? You're a hockey player, but you went on a safari, it's 98 degrees today, <laughs> hot or cold?
5: Um, probably hot. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't mind the heat. Really? I like it, yeah. Interesting. I, I like the cold, too, because I, I used to, and now I don't ski anymore, but I used to ski growing up, and so I like the winters in Switzerland, too, but... Um, Yeah, right now, Ken's Key, so probably hot.
4: All right, good stuff. Hey, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having uh, me. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. The captain, Roman Yossi, we do appreciate him stopping by the table. We will come back and wrap up the show next here at Centeno Sportsplex on Darren, Donnie, and Chase ESPN 1025 The Game. We'll come
0: back with Terry Crisp in just a few moments' time here on our Predators Preview Show on 1025 The Game. We continue with our preview show. Guess where we have caught Terrence Arthur Crisp tonight. I, I can't even guess. How about the Ryman Auditorium? Of course he is. Yep, he is was sing- singing. Now, there's a good question. Terry, are you singing tonight? Are you performing tonight? Petey, you know better than that. <laughs> they can't afford me. <laughs> I mean, you and I have sung at the Ryman Auditorium before. <clears throat> That's our one claim to fame, Petey.
8: Throw out the hockey world and the baseball and everything else. <clears throat> when we first came here, I remember you and I said the one thing, wouldn't it be great if we could ever get a chance to sing on the Ryman Auditorium, the mother church of country music? And lo and behold, what happens? We get a chance to do it. We're doing, what, infomercials over there one day? yes, We had the cowboy hats, the boots, the guitar. <laughs> Pete and I, skills to get this one. How many people can claim they sang on the stage of the Grand Olaf?
1: I certainly cannot. I'm impressed. We'll set you up, pal. I think you should have a chance. to I'm do surprised
8: that. there wasn't a tagline on that saying, Yeah, was it really singing or was it caterwauling?
1: <laughs> and I can I can see the aura about both of you when you walk around. <laughs> I knew I knew you weren't going to
3: let that one go by without a <laughs> slam. Somewhere
0: is it an aura or is it something else? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Terry, you've been through a few of these seasons. let's just talk. Your first pro camp was what year?
8: Nineteen sixty three.
0: Okay. So there's been a few of them uh in your days. And they're yes. much different than they were back then. And you're not thinking about traveling by train and upper and lower berths and all of that stuff.
8: But well, that was fun though, I've got to tell you that. It was great. I often uh, think about the one time, the one trip we had when uh, we went by train. This was with, by the way, St. Louis Blues. Uh, Glen Hall and um, uh, Noel Picard was part of our team. Well, the big, uh, tough defensemen. And Glen Hall, a Hall of Fame goaltender. Wanted, uh, I forget where we were going from, on train. And uh, everybody's playing kibitzes. And uh, Noel Picard decides he's going to get even with one of the guys that played a trick on him. So he waits until everybody goes to sleep and he gets up and... He goes down the, the middle of the of the sleeping car we're on and goes to the guy's bunk, takes one of his shoes, and throws it out. Like out of gone. the train? Yeah. Well, you know how you go to the window where the cars join each other? Yes. And throws it? Big joke, because you got even with the guy, except that he got the wrong bunk. Oh, no. And he got a hold of Glenn Hall's shoe.
0: Ooh. <laughs> that,
8: that was not good for Noel Picard, believe me. <laughs> But that was one of the train trips I'll always remember, Glenn Hall. And, and he was as stubborn as a coyote, wasn't what yes. whatnot, not walking through the uh, train station with uh, one shoe on. <laughs> Whoops.
3: I, I yay!
0: For folks who don't know, and there are many Noel Picard stories, but when you see Bobby Orr flying through the air, ironically enough, in front of Glenn Hall, To win the 1970 Stanley Cup, it was Noel Picard who sent him airborne.
8: That's the big defensively stand there, yep, when it was all said and done. And Bobby had put the finishing touches to it. It was Noel Picard. And uh, Unfortunately, God bless him, died much too young.
0: Yes. All right, let's talk about this current Predators team. What has impressed you most about them in the preseason? Probably, you know, what I I like, and it's uh, skills, you'll know the difference. I like the attitude. I just like the
8: buzz around training camp. I like how the guys on and off the ice, are they got bounced to them. You can see them chattering and, and chirping. It's not like, ho oh, hum, here we go again, a long drawn-out training camp and, and watching them. And I watched them today, the drills they did, and I went down and stayed, stayed to practice. And, man, were they flying. And you know how they do that little three-on-three uh, three drill, half-ice? Mm-hmm in the one end, and they just keep throwing the pucks and the goaltenders are just getting riveted with shots and whatnot. I don't know how long they did it, but you should have seen the excitement and uh, the effort put into it. That probably is one of the great best things I've seen all training camp is the attitude.
1: Well, I, I'll ask you about, because the training camp, I feel is so different than it used to be. These guys are in shape, and, uh, you know, LaViolette doesn't have to worry about getting them in shape. They all come ready to play. Uh as a coach, is that is that hard to to get all the systems down? I know this is a core group. Uh, it, it's got to be tough with that short period of time to get things going. Do you think Lavi's got these guys on the same page?
8: Yeah, he has. But you know what? I, I think Lavi, and I like what he's doing, and he's never been afraid as long as I've seen him coach here. He's not afraid to change. He's not afraid to yank a guy off a line and put another guy up. And it's sort of interesting when you see him, uh, you take – uh, Forsberg and, and uh, Johansson and Arby, and you have uh, Duchesne coming back up the middle, and you watch him and he'll take, run Forsberg with Duchesne and maybe Grandin over there, or Turris was there for one practice, and then he'll throw Smitty up with uh, Johansson and Arby. He's not afraid to experiment, because he knows full well what he has, what he's seen in the past, and like we always say skills, you can always go back to that. That's always there for you in your poker game, that hand. But I like what he's doing with the players this training camp, moving to see what they can do. And it's not really a risk because he knows what he has on hand.
0: And that's why the Duchesne signing has given him that versatility.
8: Yeah, you know what? We, for for the first time, I, I don't want to seem like I don't take this wrong with it, but we finally have what I consider two first lines, Petey. Yeah. And with Johansson's line, and Johansson and uh, uh, Duchesne, and when you look at it, no matter which way he he, he mixes them, we will have two good solid line. Now, now the rest of the teams will have to worry about two strong considering first line units on our team.
1: Well, let me ask you because I'm sure you are a coach that – even when you're winning a Cup, you're complaining that the GM wasn't getting you the right players, right? <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, it never happens. So, it never happens. Does it that put pressure on you as a coach? When you have a really well-balanced, deep lineup, does that put pressure on you to to make sure that these guys are growing? Because it's not always that easy. There's a lot of chemistry that needs to be there.
8: And, and that's a good question, question, Hal, because I always consider, and I always go back to this story that uh, Scotty Bowman, the the greatest coach, in my estimation, is coached and his record uh, shows that. But when he was winning and everybody said, oh, yeah, well, Scotty wins. He wins uh, cup, but he always has the best team. He always has the good guys. And, and I used to tell people, you know what? It's a lot harder to coach a team of thoroughbreds than it is a team of a couple of thoroughbreds and then workers and then pluggers that want to come and play. Because when you think about it, when you have a team of thoroughbreds, they all think they're the best. They all think they should be on the first line. Yeah. They all think they should be on the power play and on the penalty kill and go on down the line. And in between all of that, you've got to try and keep them happy. And Scotty Bowman somehow managed to do that. So I always think when you look back, yes, as a coach, you love it, the skills. But i tell you what it does bring is, a lot of sleepless nights trying to keep them all happy.
1: Well, that's what I'll ask you. So you have assuming uh, I don't I know Laviolette loves Benino, Sissons, and Watson as that accountable checking line that he trusts in every zone. And then you have Johansson's line, Duchesne's line. Uh, how concerned are you about you know, if Kyle Turris is centering that what would be a third, fourth line how concerned about uh, getting his ice time, because I, I know they want to get this guy going. How concerned are you about him getting his, his fair share of ice time? Or can that even happen?
8: You know what? As a coach, that is a concern. Because he's a talent, he's a skill, he's here, he's making good money, which we both know that money doesn't make you a good player, it just makes you rich. <laughs> but again, you've got, you got to look at the fact that your bottom line is to win. And I don't care how you slice it and how you do it as a coach. When you sit down or get up every morning, you put together, and you know it shows you have been on both sides of this coin, you put together every night the lineup that you expect to win the hockey game that given night. And if it's so ascertained that some guy gets dropped down to the fourth line, so be it. That's how you find out what they're made of, what they come back with, how they react to it. And again, I just think that nowadays, more so than when I played, they they play four lines more than they do. When I played, yeah. hell, he would run three lines, an and I'm maybe in a fourth liner a lot of times. Heck, be a long time before I saw the ice. They didn't care. Nobody cared. We were there just in case. And sometimes, as you knew late in the game, heck, they drop down to two lines and, and run them late in the game, the last six, seven minutes. Or you you played, when they run defensemen, four defensemen. You know you other yeah. two? Like Brent Peterson used to say, he asked the coach, what do you want me to do, coach? Scotty said to him, sit there and cheer loud.
7: <laughs> yes,
0: I remember that story very, very well. Well, Terry, thank you for joining us from the Ryman Auditorium. Now, I don't know, did you get that um, offer that I relayed to you today? Uh, if you were to go out and coach some of the Predators media this evening at the brand-new Ice Center in Bellevue, you have been offered uh, Crown Royal.
8: You know what, Pete, I thought about it. But then again, I thought, you know what, if I stand behind their bench, I'd have them crying like little you-know-what, and I'd be nothing. But the next day on TV, radio, uh, they'd be saying, what a curmudgeon Crisp is. What do you know what he is? Because I yelled at them, Petey, because they demanded for a change. They do some work.
0: Okay. Too sensitive, huh? We understand that. (laughs) Yeah, too
8: sensitive. That's it, Sylvie
0: these kids. Terry, thank you so very much. We appreciate <laughs> it. Anytime, thanks Chris guys.
8: With... Always a treat. See you all tomorrow at the ring.
0: Alright, Terry, a John Party concert uh, tonight at Ryman Auditorium, uh, which just uh, was supposed to have gotten underway about 15 minutes or so ago. We appreciate his chipping in with us. We'll come back and wrap up this two-hour season preview show. Along with Hal Gill, I'm Pete Weber. And behind the glass tonight, worrying if we're ever going to take a break is producer, Kenny Adams, here on 102.5 The Game. Pete Weber, Hal Gill here to wrap things up. It is the Predator Season Preview Show. So let's take a look at the way the roster has been constructed. And, again, should anything happen or should someone suddenly become available, they actually have a roster spot open in Nashville. There are 22 guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Laviolette just wanted to thin it down. And, you know, there's been a lot of distractions with different guys coming and going. Tolvin and Pitlick. Uh, yes. Rashard, and good distractions. I shouldn't say distractions. Good, right. good distractions, they're, they're, uh, but they're, you know, it's, it's a lot now. I think he just wants to lean it down and get his guys and go out there and play because it's really about this core group and and what they're going to do. So, I, you know, looking through it, I like this lineup. I like,
0: again, what Matt Duchesne does for it, and I think maybe Matt Duchesne can be the guy that may light the wick that is Mikhail
1: Gromland. Yeah, I and and I think he's you know he went through a lot last year. That was a oh, tough year for Granny. He, You know, has a baby and gets traded, and that day, uh, that the same day. That's that's a lot. And I know uh, to the people out there. Well, I'd give anything to play hockey for a living. That's not a big deal. Well, it's you know you still have a life to live, and he had a lot going on. So now he comes in and talk about playing with two guys that are going to be all over the place. As a defenseman, I'd be shaking in my boots playing against Duchesne, Forsberg, Grandlin. There's a lot of moving parts, speed, cutbacks, uh, creativity. Uh, it's got, that's going to be a tough line. And then don't forget, you, oh, yeah, you have Johansson, Arvidsson. Um, is it Smith that plays on that line? It looks like that right now in practice at least. So, um, you know, they, then you have a, a, a good checking line. You have – Turris playing between Yarncroke and and Grimaldi. Grimaldi can push the pace. Yarncroke can make plays, is defensively responsible. Uh, so can Kyle Turris get going? If he can get going and be the player that... Then you're talking top nine. No, now we're talking a top nine. That's pretty good. And uh, that's why I asked Crispy about fighting for ice time. And, and I think that's the the name of the game. Is you got to have guys fighting for ice time. And And someone's got to be unhappy because they deserve more, and they've been working hard to get more ice time, and that's really what Laviolette wants. He wants someone to be unhappy with him. Yeah, if you're pushing things like that, that can only benefit the team. Absolutely. And I I think uh, up front, and then you have Daniel Carr, who's, you know, has worked hard to get a chance, and and he's got it here, and, um, you know, hopefully everyone stays healthy, but uh, he's gonna he's gonna work hard to try to get in there and 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 get his uh, his name in there and in the lineup because you know he's a guy that can score some goals he's, and that's the bottom line you want you know, Preds need that
0: and he feels it's this time for him he's 27 and time that he hopes to get kick started for him
1: absolutely and and going back to goals if if we see for, Forsberg Duchene that we saw in a, a brief uh, preseason. Uh, that's going to be scary. That's we're going to be talking about big points. That's a that's a line that's not just good. That could be great. And here's the other thing, Hal.
0: We talked about how good Milwaukee should be. That's a nice place to be able to make a telephone call. Yeah, if you do have an injury
1: problem. Oh yeah, because uh, you know if Tolvanen keeps developing the way he has, I know it's hard to be patient because he is such a talent. But he's really learned the game. I thought Lance Pitlick really, you know, getting the overtime winner didn't hurt. No. Uh, but, uh, sorry, Rem I call him Lance? Rem. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, I'm sure old. that's happened I'm calling a few his times. dad's name. But Rem Pitlick. Uh, I used to call Ryan Suter Bob. So of course, worry. of course. But he's, uh, yeah, no, I, I just think, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent down there. And, you know, don't forget Jared Tenorti was that's really right. impressive and, and made it pretty far. And I thought maybe he'll make the team. Big, strong defenseman. Uh, but he he won't be here and and uh, you know but if you ever need a guy like him you got Davies down there on the defensive end there's some backup options. Now, there's a guy as well. who
0: jumped out at us during the prospects showcase.
1: Yeah, Davies. oh, really talented playing with Fabro and yeah. really stood out. Uh, I think that's he's a uh, he's a heck of a talent. So Milwaukee's going to be good. Uh, Preds are going to be good. Best goaltending duo in the league, I think by far. Yep, and uh, I I just think you know all the way through. This is a team that's going to do some damage, and we're finally going to be playing a regular season game—something that means something. And I think these guys are are just jacked about it. And I, I, we just glance over the big three defensemen because it's not a big deal, but that's probably the best three defensemen in the game, I think. And Roman Yossi, a contract year, and I expect huge things from him. I think he's really—you know—he should be up for the Norris by the end of this.
0: And there's one other trade that was made with St. Louis that really loaded them up, but the guys worry about right and left side defensemen. Justin Falk, a right-sider, goes there, and I understand he is playing with
1: another right-sider in this stage of training camp
0: with yeah. Petrangelo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's something that's an adjustment period for every, any defenseman, but, um, you know, there's there's you just have to find the good and bad part of, of playing on the offside, so. Yeah, those, those things can work out. We don't have that problem here, though. No. Nashville looks
0: good. None of that uh, in terms of problems coming up. So, folks, Thursday night, 6 o'clock pregame. Back to the one-hour regular season pregame shows. And 7 o'clock and then all the hoopla of opening night downtown with the Minnesota
1: Wild. Fang out. vision yes. is going to be going. I know Sean Henry has been so excited about this, and it's it's finally here. Uh, it's going to be a great show Hey, how about the Saturday night preseason game with Duchesne tying it up and the place going berserk? Absolutely berserk. I can only imagine it's going to get better. It's going to be a
0: lot of fun. And, of course, this Saturday night, who comes to town but the traditional Predators rival now in the other conference, the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, always always a good game with those guys. Nice couple of games to get this thing started in a four-game homestand. To get it started. Well, thanks for tuning in here this evening. We've enjoyed uh, bringing things your way, thinking about the uh, Predators season that gets started Thursday night. There are four other games in the league tomorrow night Capitals and Blues. How about that? The last two cup winners go against each other in St. Louis. Sharks and the Golden Knights, the two games on NBC. And then Senators, Maple Leafs, Canucks, and the Oilers, the battle for Canadian bragging rights. So we thank Kenny Adams very much for his work behind the glass this evening. We made him scramble so much and worry about what was going to happen or would it indeed happen at all. We invite you to stay tuned for more of our regularly scheduled programming coming up in just a few moments' time. For Hal Gill, I'm Pete Weber. Good night and get ready for more Predators hockey.
1: Cheers.